Good evening, all. Evening all. What is that? <laughs> a little Halloween decoration. I literally just found it before we come on. Just got a little bird. There he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice one. Uh, hi, Shane. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. So, Shane's here from uh, Ultimate War Games. Um, Shane. He's going to be mate. talking through all sorts of stuff with us today. Uh, evening, gents. Evening, gents. People saying hello. Gaz, Nick, Andy, Nick, Rage. Nick's already been uh, lining up a load of um, uh, emojis, apparently. So, yeah. <laughs> Hi, Les. Oi, oi, you sexy toy boy. Hey, Shane. Mm, nice. <laughs> How's your week been? Let's let's start with a nice, relaxed question. Yeah, not bad. Fairly busy, getting a few bits squared away. Uh, had a crew call on Wednesday with my bunch of guys, but sort of a group of 15 of us. Um, not always make it. Not always make it on at the same time. But a good, good week call, uh, midweek call on an event we've got coming up at the end of this month, which is, uh, yeah, getting ever closer. So to be honest with you, it's been a week that's flown by, and just looking forward to weekend down in Kent now, working daytime tomorrow, then all Sunday doing more build work. So yeah, it's kind of flown by this week, and been looking forward to the weekend as always. Absolutely, mate. Fair cool. play. Nice. So are you based in Kent or not? No, based down in um, Surrey. So a place called Byfleet. It's kind of near like the A3, where it meets in 25. Um, so yeah, sort of northern Surrey, really. Yeah, cool. cool. Good evening, Danny. Uh, hi, Danny. Well, we might as well, well plough into it, to be fair. After, unless you've got any uh, exciting news, Lance, you want to share? Um, well, I've got a couple of, new, couple of purchases this week. Me, uh, me um, hammock uh, under blanket turned up. So that's always good. Uh, November Foxtrot alive now. Thank you, laptop, for that. It's always good that you're keeping up with uh, real life. <laughs> um, yeah, mate, that's a couple of bit. Oh, um, did I mention the basher? Did I mention that last week? Whether the the well the belt the shelter system turned up for the giveaway bag the basher brand new DBM woodland basher with a couple of stuff sacks. Um, so we were very grateful for that. Um, yeah, I couldn't believe it. The actual condition it's in is actually in about a million times better condition than what mine is. So uh, I'm not sure whether to put that in the bag or keep hold of it. <laughs> But yeah, so that's turned up. That's going in the giveaway bag. So that is that is essentially now the uh, the, the meal sim in a bag giveaway is complete. All the kits pretty much in there. I think I've got one or two items from within November Foxtrot to go in there. But that's sort of like a given. It's obviously going in the bag. I just haven't seen the chief yet to pick them up. So that's the last couple of bits to go in, and that's it done. So they'll be looking forward to cool. to finding that lucky person and to give it to. But that's it, news wise, mate. Yep. Apart yeah. from the weekend, I've we got did, a bit like, of news. Filled my feet. Go on. That will be news. So, um, Jake um, Stan Groom, uh, a chap that we spoke about previously with his airsoft site map, uh, uh, yes. he's now he's now got it on a website. Um, so you can actually download the map as a whole. Um, there's, I think, you can also do like a HD map download, and I think you can order a premium poster as well. Um, nice. So yeah. So if anyone's interested in that, I'll put the uh, website link up on the uh, on the old Facebook in a little bit, and then oh, uh, feel free cool. to. Feel free to peruse. So. I saw that doing the rounds earlier in the week, actually, on Facebook. I must say, it took me back many, many years to when I first started playing Airsoft. Um, I say many years, it wasn't that long ago. But I remember when you first trying to find, like, a you know, what single place source for, like, every single Airsoft site out there. It's, like, not impossible. Like, trying to find places is a lot harder. So I think that's a really good idea. Yeah, so, definitely, yeah, mate. I think someone mentioned about maybe perhaps getting being able to get on a tea towel at some point. <laughs> <laughs> which would be, which is always nice and always handy to have in it. So I definitely, I'd definitely be interested for one of them. 
drop it around and sneak it into the mother-in-law's kitchen when she's not looking. <laughs> I was just doing a, I was just doing a little squeaky check, uh, squeaky check, just to make sure Ultimate War Games actually on the map because I thought it'd be horrific. If it wasn't, but it is. <laughs> it is. It's good. It's all good. <laughs> it's quiet, <laughs> oh, fuck. That's why I thought I'd just better go quiet and just double check. So, uh... <laughs> James in the chat. Would anyone like to buy a Belgian Malinois? Ideal for Milsim. Yes, absolutely, I would do. If I hadn't have already got a dog just before the first lockdown, I'd have had a Malinois. As long as it's not like yeah, it's super duper drained. <laughs> oh, it's a dog. Okay, right. Cool. Yeah. What did you think it was? Uh, I had no idea. A quick Google search was my friend there. I was like, <laughs> is it a tent? Maybe, is maybe it... some sort of like, you know, the um, oh, is it the uh, the Le oh, Pui tent or whatever it is? The one with the bell tent with the pole. Pui tent. What is it? It's lap something. It's the... I have no idea, mate. It's the one with the ponchos that you put like the. Anyway, sorry. Oh, Lavu. Lavu, that's it. Yeah, yeah that's, Lavu that's Polish, not Belgian. No, well, I thought that might be the Belgian equivalent. I didn't know. <laughs> Just stop. Let's move on. All right. Cool. Right. Dark. Okay. <laughs> so, first question, Shane. Thanks for joining us. Uh, who are you, and what do you do? Sure. So, I'm Shane. I think we've cut that bit already. Um, by day, I have one of those jobs that everyone loves to hate. So, I work in the property industry, work in a state agency for my sins. Boo, I know what it is. Um, I've been doing it for sort of 10 years now. Um, and I kind of don't really treat myself as a state agent anymore. I'm a head of sales at a firm in Cobham, um, which is kind of a really nice market area. So, we deal in just nice homes. And it's, yeah, pretty, pretty different to what most people think sort of typical agency is. But that's the day job. Um, aside from that, obviously, have quite an interest in airsoft. So, been doing that now for the last sort of six years since I sort of started playing, um, and now help run Ultimate War Games. So, one of the guys that are sharing the site there, so help run the site, and mostly involve myself in sort of the building and sort of the battle sim, mill to me style events, more interesting stuff. I'm not really about skirmish so much, um, and also have my own small events company uh, doing sort of more involved events things like sort of themed battle sim like vietnam or more recently sort of modern rust for battle sim stroke mill sim type stuff um cool. so yeah just doing more of that really to be honest with you so it's a bit of a mixture um day jobs boring sort of property but yeah it's the, the airsoft which i've been spending a lot more time on recently nice that's what i like to hear so, cool. so shane how, how did you sort of come to find airsoft then what sort of drew you into it initially then was it like a bad weekend or something or you just Went for a skirmish no, day, or what was it? It's something I've always kind of been aware of. And I discovered it sort of many years ago, back when it was kind of, you know, in its infancy, shall we say, back in the UK, in its infancy, sort of in the late 90s. I first heard about it, but I never really got into it. My parents were always massively anti anything that was remotely gun shaped. Um, so, like, you know, BB guns were sort of, you know, seized the moment they got into the house after a trip to Spain, that kind of stuff. And <laughs> the thought of playing airsoft was just anathema to them at the time. So, um, I kind of parked it for several years and didn't really think about it. And then, sort of, six years ago, a friend of mine sort of mentioned this and we were, you know, looking at doing, I wanted to do something shooting later. I was looking at air offers at the time and doing a bit of target shooting. And I was like, well, why don't I look into airsoft again? Um, and I just eventually sort of took the plunge and went along by myself in the end of the first game day because my mate couldn't make it. Um, and just sort of, you know, went down the rabbit hole from there, really. You know how it goes. You know, you're in for a, in for a penny, in for a pound, or a lot more than that. Um, yeah, you're not wrong, yeah, just sort of <laughs> really. I think the first first six months, didn't really see my girlfriend much. Just went airsoft, like, every weekend. And, like, just 
overdosed on airsoft for like six months straight. <laughs> and then since then, you know, worked out what I kind of liked, did more sort of battle sim, milsimy type stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, just uh, I've always kind of known about it, but it was sort of six years ago, I really took, took the plunge and got into it. Nice, fair play, man. I had that growing up without the air. Uh... So we were allowed like wooden guns, uh, but nothing that actually really fired anything. Um, so we kind of got, my brother and I kind of got into Nerf probably around the age of 16. And then when I went off to uni, it was obviously like free reign and just like, oh, look, you can buy airsoft guns. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, yeah. it was quite good in my house. But I remember I, I once, um, I actually managed to order one of the first sort of, um, I did buy one many years ago when I was a kid, like way before I think Ucara existed. Like I borrowed, I say borrowed, like basically stole my dad's credit card and like ordered it from online somehow. I was amazed when it turned up. I just <laughs> hid it in my bed for like two years. And uh, I think so much of it, but I thought my parents found out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you've obviously, you, you mentioned obviously you were a part owner at the um, Ultimate War Games in Falcon. Uh, so yep. talk us through that site and sort of how you got involved with that then specifically. Sure. So I was at War Games, actually where I very first started um, playing Airsoft. And back at the time, I actually started at another site, which some people may or may not remember. Um, tiny little woodland place uh, in a place called Limpsfield. I mean, it was probably no more than, I don't know, 25, 30 acres, but it was actually really good fun to play. And funny enough, I went back there a few weeks ago to where the site used to be. It was a nice part of woodland um and take the dog for a walk there um but yeah that was where i first started and it was just um just a cool woodland site got on quite well and i had no points of reference at that time to kind of really compare against and it was kind of the sort of place back then that was just your generic woodland newbie skirmish site and had i have not actually had anything to compare against i probably wouldn't have gone to play there back at that time if i'm flatly honest i mean the website still is and i hate um and we'll get around to updating it at some point because it kind of sends the wrong vibe but that's another story um but yeah i kind of just took it from there ended up playing sort of quite regularly and like i say I went sort of six months straight and just looked at as many different sites as i could do um back in those sort of first six months um and yeah and then one thing led to another got got quite familiar with the site um the site owners at forkham because where, where i first started i think a lot of people probably feel this way that the, the site they start at you kind of feel a natural degree of loyalty towards um yeah, sure. so i always tended to go back to back to them for my regular sort of skirmish um and then ended up just getting quite close to the owners and doing marshalling and then sort of you know organizing games and it kind of spiraled from there and i kind of done that for would have been sort of a couple of years or so and then i got really bored probably less than a couple of years actually got really bored of skirmish um just found that it just bored the bored the shit the shit out of me um you, you can you. swear don't worry just keep, keep it like happy, happy, yeah, happy swearing it's hard for me those that know me know I, I really have to struggle not to it's uh yeah anyway so um so yeah i I basically found myself getting bored of skirmish. I kind of got fed up at Ultimate War Games because at the time nobody took, took any initiative to play new events and there wasn't really much happening at the site. And I then discovered um, someone that you guys will know quite well, um, Josh and Gunman Airsoft. And that was like a revelation to me because that was just exactly what I was looking for at that time. Um, I wanted sort of more immersive, you know, themed games that kind of felt more about the experience than they were about winning or losing 
it, you know, however captured the flag, whatever arbitrary skirmish objective was non-existent. Um, and it was all about the experience. And again, the way the objectives sort of flowed around that and the way it worked was just exactly what I was looking for. So I spent a couple of years, I'm still loosely involved with gunmen. Obviously, as you know, we work, work with Josh a bit now, events, um, mm-hmm. yep. everything when you guys came to the site for Octo. Um, yes, and yeah, I ended up sort of having my events still. I sort of I left Ultimate War Games for a couple of years and did my own thing and started asking for Josh. Um, I still kept in touch and I kept a booking in the calendar every year for my Vietnam event. So we kind of still had a hand in the site, um, and we were the only ones back then doing any sort of form of building work. So we would have this annual Vietnam event, and every year for sort of two or three months before the event, we'd go up and get the site, you know, ready, basically, and make it how we wanted it for these events. Um, and last year, with the pandemic, obviously it gave us a lot more time um, just to focus on on build days. So we had days during last year where we'd just get loads done. We'd be going up most weekends because nothing else to do during lockdown. We'd just go and build. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, and the amount of progress we made, and there's also a few changes out at War Games. I won't boys tears a bit, but essentially a couple of people couldn't carry on. They've got other things going on. Um, and they just need some help, essentially helping you know, to run the place and you know, plan and deliver games. And I think they saw you know, essentially what myself, and it's not just me, you know, the guys that essentially got us to see, it's a bunch of 15 lads or so, like I mentioned earlier, that, um, that are, you know, all very active, just want to come up to the woods, build cool stuff, you know, they want to play a certain type of event. Um, and, it, and I think they saw how much we were putting in and thought, well, actually, why not bring them on side? You know, we need some more support, people going. And it was kind of a good good fit in that respect. So that's kind of brings us up to current day, really, to be honest. Fair play, mate. Yeah, I mean, we could see when we turn up the event. I mean, the dedication you got guys building whilst the event's going on. Do you know what I mean? It was just it was wicked to see. Do you know what I mean? It's like this police station slowly developing over the course of a weekend. It's like you go back, patrol back past you, like, oh, look, that's new. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's wicked, mate. It's really cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back there. It's a wicked site, lovely site. Cheers. We work, we work hard to get it where it is. And it, you know, it's been, a, it's been a long journey, to be honest. I mean, what, what you saw, or what but, you know, both of you saw when you came to site, you know, it's sort of barely the, the tip of the iceberg for what we've got planned. Mm. Um, you know, and also some of the stuff we've done, you know, even things we did last year, it's the nature of having their sort of fight sites, things deteriorate. Um, you know, and you're constantly trying to fight against that balance of sort of maintenance and, you know, building more cool new shit, um, basically. And uh, we've got so much more to do. But as I said to you guys before we came on the stream, it just always takes that much longer. Uh, that I think people realise, and also myself included, when, you, when you're building stuff, you think, oh, I'll get that done in a couple of weekends' time. You know, it takes you sort of twice as long as you, you hoped. Um, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what we're looking is, at now is that's, you know, from the start of the year we've done that. that was and this is the police amazing. station just, development sort of yeah. thing, is it? Or Yes, so this is, um, so this is obviously um, the town that we've got at Forkham. So before... Before any of this was there, what we're looking at now, and if you go onto Google Maps at any point uh, later on, anyone's watching, you will see that this part of the site, um, that's, that's quite a hard task to try and expect to find it as Google Maps, but if you looked at... No, that's what was there it, before, you keep talking, I'll, it, it I'll was, find it. <laughs> it, was just, it was just green woodland, like there was literally nothing there. There was, I think, two partially, and I'll send you some pictures later, but there's two partially fallen down structures that were built like years ago. Right. Um, and we're completely rotten so we just started over and that bigger that you can see on camera there obviously helped us clear a lot of the woods we've been quite active with the chainsaws we've felled a lot of trees to kind of clear that space yeah. um and our plan was was to make it 
like an actual town and have as much sort of you know as many buildings and kind of a logical layout with enough rooms for vehicle you know enough room for vehicles to get through the streets um so it would kind of recreate sort of fibula style play so one of the things i love about playing at sites like longmore is that it feels more realistic because you, you have you know lots of angles to worry about you've got first floor second floor um, yeah, you've got definitely. sort of corridors in between buildings and you've got to read you know, a bit more switched on so, so i kind of noticed on that overview there then shana that that, that segment there so you've almost got like um it's almost, almost like shop fronts as well almost like a bazaar yeah. sort of type thing is that what we're sort of going for there with that then those three Absolutely. buildings all look the same yeah yeah, and that, that's the cool, behind this. You know, a lot of airsoft sites, the ones I've been to, the sort of woodland sites rather than sort of, you know, quarry sites or things that are more aimed at sort of Milsim and have that kind of natural setup. Woodland yeah. sites always seem to come up short and you just get, you know, pallet city is a phrase you hear about some woodland sites. Yeah, and they yeah, that, that's, pallets that's that they're, they're really handy, but you've got to make them not look like pallets. You've got to try and put stuff together that would look like what you want it to be or at that's least it, exactly be... Like a close analog of whatever it is. So what we did with the buildings there, which I think you're referring to, the little um the shacks. Was it was uh, it these two here that have fallen down? That's it. Just yeah. there. Um, right, okay. But yeah, what we were aiming for those shacks is to have like sort of shop front. So last weekend when we had um Blood and Soil, the Russians and Ukraine game, we actually went I went to Tesco's on the Thursday night before the event and we brought every item of sort of Eastern European food that you could imagine and we dressed <laughs> that little shop with the green roof, um, full of like jars of pickles, sunflower seeds. Um, I consumed me and the gang consumed quite a bit of vodka and filled those bottles up full of water. Um, and rightly so, and safety stayed, first, mate. Say again. Said rightly so, safety first. Yeah, exactly. Well, it was consumed a fair while before the event. I mean, it was at least twelve hours. So um, I think. So yeah, we we basically dressed that shop with loads of sort of Eastern European delicacies, um, mm. and we made it that the Sid Pop in game could actually buy bits and pieces from the shop with their in-game currency that they'd earned from doing Sid Pop objectives, because um, we wanted to have that kind of feel that it feels like kind of a a high street. Obviously, it's an airsoft site. You're never gonna make it feel like real life, but it, it has that. Everything we do is going to be used for another purpose. So at Vietnam, that would be a noodle bar, for example. That's quite yeah. So, yeah it, we, it's just going to add that element to it, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Of interaction as well within a game. Absolutely. You know, things that just knocks about pallets and you call it a random name doesn't necessarily mean it's a police station or that it's a <laughs> shop, whatever it is you want it to be. It needs to me. It needs to look like what the event organizer tells me it is looking like. You know, yeah, the buildings absolutely. can be dressed for lots of different things. Like the police station, we were saying, could be. A hotel or it could be something else at vietnam whatever it needs to be mm. uh, but it all comes down to how you dress it as long as you can kind of you know have a bit of artistic license um i think it goes a long way really definitely mate definitely so with that map there then shane just quickly um I've, i'm guessing the bottom of the image there that's the new police station is that right under construction um, that l shape that, right? that is that's going to be i'm not even decided yet to be honest we just wanted to make a big l shape um, two-story building and it's going to be what? essentially a, a series of shop fronts so there'll be like sort of two shop fronts facing the police station um, and then that one on the uh, sort of the far corner away from the police station is just be one sort of big store and room there and that's going to have the staircase to the first floor okay. um, but yeah I just wanted to build some really sizable um, sort of two-story buildings and that's one of two of those designs that are going to go in there'll be one opposite it and there'll be another two-story elsewhere but i want to end up with lots of two stories is the plan so it nice feels man. like i say more like fibula style play 
So you're going for like a full village slash town sort of population center sort of type thing. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Wicked, mate. It, it just it takes it away from just being you know pallets and tires and barricades in the woods um, to being a you know a viable sort of you know milsim site rather than just a woodland site that's thrown. Absolutely, because you'll be hard pushed to find a, a non-military site or a non-military training ground that has them sorts of facilities for for an airsoft event to take place on. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. You'll be very yeah. hard pushed to find that, unless someone's been lucky enough to secure a, a game a game site that's had um, some old outbuildings or something like that on it already there. You'll be very hard yeah. pushed to find this sort of thing. So, you know, no credit to yourself, mate. It's, it's looking to be look wicked. That is cool. Andy Bob says you need to get a church with a bell tower. No, <laughs> Funny enough, um, <laughs> we actually had plans originally to build a church, um, and they, they, we are going to do it at some point, but. As of all things in Airsoft, the planning process evolves itself and it changes and what you think to be one idea then becomes something else and you end up with something different to what you planned. And doesn't you know, we are we are gonna put a church in. I want to do it later in the year because I'm quite mm. tempted to get it for um, a Halloween game and like I don't know, do something zombie or do something quite cool. Um, nice. I don't know what yet, but I am planning to build a church. Um just the question is where do we put it in the town at the moment? Um but yeah, it's coming. It's like another, playing. Let's just do another two story, life. mate, and call Another two story and just call it a multi faith center, and then you'd be, <laughs> <laughs> you'd be good as gold, then wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like I say, it's artistic license, it can be whatever you want it to be. Exactly, you're yeah. all playing soldiers <laughs> anyway at the end of the day, so there's a fair degree of you know make believe going on already, isn't there? Absolutely, mate. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, cool. Uh, I tell you, I, I just I love building stuff anyway, and I, I, I can only imagine that it's sort of like you know getting involved with sort of adding stuff to sites must be just quite exciting like right so um yeah we're gonna build a barricade today and it's yeah it's um, it's probably it's a funny thing it's actually probably my favorite thing now and i'd actually slightly people hate me saying especially airsofters but i was quietly I was, I was quietly disappointed when we were you know we were told we could open up and goes oh i'd really do more time to build i'm just enjoying coming down the woods and like building cool shit and it's like now i've got to deal with players i mean who needs that you know, it's yeah. uh, the build, the, build and the time on site with your mates in the woods, you know, and the, the fun you have doing it is, uh, to me now, is, is probably as enjoyable as the airsoft, to be honest with you. Definitely, mate, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I get that. So when we were there, you've obviously got this, this two Land Rovers. Yeah. Was it? Um, do, they, do they get used much? Um, the plan is to use them more. They used to be used more often. Um the problem is they're in, as you probably noticed, they're in varying states of repair, shall we say. Um, the, the answer to your question simply is yes, um, but once we've probably got a few other things sourced out first and more vehicle accessible trails. And also, to be honest with you, you know, we've got a fairly newish team of marshals. I've taken a lot of guys um, in the crew, essentially, and I think it would be a case of getting them competent in doing the games that we want to run on a regular basis and getting those to a good standard. Um, and mm. before we start introducing vehicles into our sort of mid-month sort of open day, you know, walk-on games, um, there is a plan to use, hopefully a plan to use them at the end of this month for the Vietnam game to a limited extent. Um, Going to leave one of them based at the Australian FOB um, with an M60 in the top turret. And then the other one's going to be used to drop ammo supplies and to basically be used to Kazavak squads. Because the game we've got planned at the end of April uh, may even uh, is to if you've seen Danger Close at all, the Australian yes, uh, yeah, I am, movie. Yes. We basically want to emulate that. 
where we have the Aussies going out on really long patrols around the exclusion area, which is supposed to be clear of any of all life, which is what it was supposed to be in real life, and then have it that they come up against massive vehicle forces. So mm-hmm. you will send like a company of sort of 12 guys out at once versus a sort of force of 20 or so or 20, 20 to 30 Viet Cong. So when they go out there, they're actually quite heavily outnumbered and want to have it so they come under heavy contact. They have to try and hold their ground as long as possible. And one of two things will happen. You know, they'd run out of ammo or they'd need to get rescued because they've lost half their squad and need to get evacuated out of there. Um, you know, and that could be, you know, 1,500 metres at the other side of the site. So the vehicles would be actually valuable to go in with the top, you know, top turret going, you know, full whack with the M60 blasting away and they're waiting for, nice. you know, rescue to come in. Kind of similar to, you know, how, the, you know, the, the film went in Danger Close, really. Yeah, definitely, so, yeah. yeah. That's cool. That's cool. So is that is that with the film sim? Um, that... Or- Gunman yeah, that's type. probably more film sim, battle sim type type games. To be honest, it's going to be a it's going to be a continuous sort of eight eight and a half hour event, uh, which is about as much as you can. Don't hate me for this, guys. We play a Vietnam, but I think you'll say this is a fair fair assessment. But that's about as far as most of the players can last. To anyway, to be honest with you, um, especially after months of lockdown, it's a very different kind of you know player base than sort of modern battle sim or modern Rust or um, you know. So I think it. They cater more to those events for the social anyway. So that event will end at seven o'clock. It will start at 10, 10.30. It will end at seven o'clock. You get eight and a half hours, uh, which is the longest continuous NARM game you've got at the moment anyway. Then the mm. evening, the, the NARM players just normally want to get the campfire going and, you know, and open a few beers and stay up too late and, you know, regret it the next day when they've got a hangover. So it's... <laughs> um, so yeah, it's different. So yeah, it's probably more film sim than 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 mill sim. Probably bordering on battle sim, but it definitely isn't mill sim. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Oh, mate. Cool. No, that is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we yeah, did one awesome. uh, mill awesome. We did one yeah. arm event at APOC, and that that obviously ran. I mean, that kicked off by the time everyone's finished dicking around Friday morning to actually getting like sort of boots on the ground, if you like. That sort of like ten ten thirty start, and then that mm-hmm. rolled through till Sunday. But I mean, that was yeah. I mean, you did have. It did lull off at night, like late into the early hours and then sort of kick off again early morning. But it, it was quite reflective of Vietnam, whereas sort of like the GIs, if you like, were hunkered down in the firebase from from sort of like sunset to sunrise. And they were just getting hammered by the VC all night long. Do you know what I mean? We were just getting, I mean, one of the night attacks that we had on that event was, I mean, I, I, I dread to think how many BBs were shot during, during that contact, but it was absolute chaos because we had... Um, America, well, the 7th Cav had green tracer, and I think the uh, Viet Cong and that had red, and it was just, it was like Star Wars at one point, just <laughs> absolute chaos. <laughs> it was good fun. It was a good fun. That was the last Vietnam event I've done, so it'd be interesting to do another one at some point. So it was a yeah, good it's, it's a good alternative to, to other stuff, really. It's one of those kind of events that I find they're, they're just naturally quite immersive, you know, and everyone mm. makes the effort to go in the right gear. Um, you know, and of the right mentality as well. It just, they can be just absolutely amazing events and you get some silly you know, sort of interactions with the players, like some good role play, um, you know, some questionable accents, shall we say? Um, <laughs> yeah, and just some, no. some good banter, um, really, to be honest. But it's, uh, yeah, it's good. It's good fun. But it's, uh, I think it for me, when you're, when you're there in sort of the, the heat of the moment and you're sort of, especially with woodland sites, I mean, um, Shane's just dropped off. Shane appears to have disappeared. <laughs> he literally just sunk into the screen, bottom of the screen. Anyway, oh, there we go. There he comes. Sorry, lads, lost you there. There he is. Um, <laughs> but especially at woodland sites, it's one of those things that actually work 
phenomenally well for. In most cases, I would never say a woodland site is better than, you know, a, uh, a sort of quarry or a figure. But for Nam, when you're going through thick roadies and you've got your, you know, your greens on if you're playing GI, you know, and oh, suddenly you see like a, you know, a, someone in sort of you know, NVA attire and just come out of the bush. And it just, it, for me, it just feels a lot more, a lot more immersive because everyone yeah. in the Vietnam scene, I, I find, kind of makes that, that effort really. Definitely. Um, so, you know, it's great, great fun. Yeah, nice. It was quite yeah, cool. cool. Where you get a lot of bracken coverage yeah, on the ground and have a whole... Um, whole the team we usually go up against the Misfits, sort of residents at APOC, um, just seeing sort of 20, 25 straw rats just slowly raise up at the bracken and you'll think, oh, shit. <laughs> you just sort of like stop and go, oh, no, here we go. <laughs> I always find it really interesting, the, the sort of the feedback we get from, um, from the American players versus Viet Cong because it's kind of a... A really broad spectrum between what you can end up with you know josh's events tend to be quite strong on americans mm-hmm. um same with den i don't know if you know den he runs a game called dust off um what? and you always get a very good american turnout but we've always been quite strict on limiting the numbers of opposing forces um, but even when you don't have you know mega numbers on, on the american side we played for example josh's uh vietnam game last year in september we must have been probably in the region of you know two Viet Cong to five Americans so you are not you're normally outnumbered but because of the you know the nature of play you just wear like a free cell Chicom and you carry an AK and yeah. that's it um you can be a lot more mobile you know and you're up against sort of platoon platoon sort of strength numbers of Americans and you can just go off in a group of three or four Viet Cong and have like horrendous ambushes and just force massive numbers and just bug out you know and come back again sort of 10 15 minutes later and repeat so it's a very interesting sort of way of playing as well because it's a lot you know you try and recreate kind of that natural style of combat that would have happened at the time anyway so it's yeah very it's just guerrilla guerrilla war fighting isn't it basically that's all it was well, we had three guys. In, yeah i mean we had feedback in september they felt they were everywhere you know and there was the best mm. part of sort of 70 americans and 35 you know 35 40 Viet Cong. um so yeah if you use it properly it can be it can be quite powerful but it's good fun yeah absolutely mate yeah no i did enjoy that event and it was nice to going back done. to just iron sights only no no modern scopes nothing like that literally iron sights no night vision no thermal it was nothing you had a ta- not even tactical lights on your rifles at night it was like an angled lamp or a handheld torch but that was it there was nothing else no bells and whistles it was really back to basic stuff which was wicked just to yeah well, take it all off you know what i mean no worries yeah that was good. I've not done good a event. Vietnam event. I'd love to do one. Does sound. Yeah, does I think sound you'd be. Cool. I think you'd enjoy it, Mike. It is a good crack, mate. Yeah, yeah. it's a good crack. Yeah, it's definitely There's worth some... trying. Out. Anyone that's thinking of doing it, I'd always say try Viet Cong first because I've done the whole thing. I've done American. I've done the Navy Seal role. I've done Arvin. Um, and for me, it's Viet Cong. And for anybody who's trying to dip their toe into something new, um, you know, you're talking probably. I don't know. 30 to 40 quid gets you a loadout. You know, you yeah, try right, yeah. 15 quid, you can get a you know a basic set of you can use you know the old British army or Austrian army, you know, green shirt and um because you can go as MVA, you can get a piff helmet for like 12 quid or a boonie yeah. hat. You know, you don't need a lot. The the thing that the biggest barrier is normally the weaponry. Um and this is what I always say to someone who's new to airsoft and is getting in or looking at more than skirmish, you know, always pick up when you can anything to work on your collection it's just a basic ak you know an akm ak47 or a visa 58 something that's like in every war zone ever you know you can exactly use it yeah for like you can use it covers a multitude of sins didn't it 
exactly. Um, so I always think that, you know, that that's always the easiest way. It gets up an AK, you'll be able to do so much other stuff, and then you're just spending, you know, 30, 40 quid on cheap secondhand surplus that, you know, you'll be done, basically. That's it, mate. Exactly that. Exactly that. Yeah, I'm still waiting my, on the uh, AK's being built at the moment. I've got a Stoner MK63, so I'll definitely go on the American side for that one. <laughs> a beast, a beast, a bit of yeah. kit that is, yeah. Let's um let's just jump into the chat for a bit. So uh Rage said in terms of the um there was the the map of all the airsoft sites, he was on Reddit with that about a month ago. It looks cool. And uh Nick says ideal Xmas gift is a tea towel. <laughs> uh Rage says, Why do all these events happen down south? Do you hate the rest of the UK? I don't. I don't think that's the case. I think maybe I don't know. I know. I mean, I know looking at the mateys map they produce, though, it it does seem to be there's a predominantly a lot more sites down south as opposed to sort of the further you get north, it seems to thin out a bit with airsoft sites. But um, I don't know really. You'd have to come down and visit us more, Rage, mate. You'd have to get yourself down south. <laughs> maybe get yourself a little holiday retreat down here. Yeah. <laughs> or or invite us up to you, and then yeah. we'll go. We'll go. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, event, we'll Nick says, with. Uni Grant and Airsoft equals lots of guns. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah I get that, that totally. <laughs> Joe, Joe sent you a duck. I'll stand a duck, yeah. <laughs> Evening, Joe. Thanks, mate. <laughs> um, Nick was asking whether the building work was incorporated into the game. So it wasn't at Octo. It was, so, we were told that there were civilian contractors in the area. Um, yeah. I, don't I don't think, think maybe doing the building would have taken too kindly to get a swap of a BB in the side of the head. I, I certainly wouldn't have done it too many. <laughs> yeah. uh, Andy says, I've just finished building a two-story watchtower for Rift Airsoft. So if you need ever, if you ever need a chippy uh, that's used to working on airsoft sites, hit me up. Nice. Tend to uh, a message off chat. We can always have, a, always have a chat about that. We tend to award our workers with a free game. Uh, a free walk-on game, so it's not just like you're turning up just to build for the sake of build, and we do try and reward those that come along. But yeah, if you're interested, seriously, um, drop me a message. We're always looking to expand the community of players we've got that want to help out and just do cool shit in the woods, really. Um, so yeah, if you're interested, drop me a message. Sounds good. Uh, Andy says you could always have a build slash game day where you defend the builders. <laughs> so. yeah. I'd be up for that. <laughs> <laughs> What's that like American yeah, Sniper, in it, where the engineers are trying to put their walls up and you've got their yeah. like, Sniper just dropping off the ladder? It's just like, fucking brutal, that is. How are you supposed to defend that? He's <laughs> a mile away, for fuck's sake. Um, so I'm assuming this is relating to the uh, Vietnam game, but are booby traps allowed? Absolutely. Uh, within reason, obviously. Some people, will think, have tried in the past... Um, to use things like the 12 gauge blank fires, which is obviously a no. Um, but yeah, provided it's like a Mark <laughs> 5 uh, sort of maroon or it's a 9mm adapter you've got for those. Um, I, I get it, those trip gauges are cheap, but equally, you know, people like to be able to hear and not, you know, get blasted with 12 gauge blanks. Um, but you can get adapters for them. So yeah, within reason, booby traps are allowed. Um, certainly on the Viet Cong, highly encourage them because it's very cool. Um, and we do try and encourage a lot of people to get into the mindset of doing a bit more hit and run, um, you know, and booby traps play into that quite nicely. And there's nothing sure. better, honestly, one of the best feelings in a game when you're playing Viet Cong, you've got your boys, you know, around you and you're sort of laying in the long grass 
waiting just until the Americans get right on top of you. And if you've got booby traps wide up and they can walk like past them so that the platoons in the middle of where these traps are, as soon as you let rip on those whistles, you've got like, you know, five or six of you blowing them. Honestly, it scares the shit out of them. You can like <laughs> press bangs and they're trying to run away. Uh, we did the September at September Nam that Josh had at Gunman, and honestly, it was just the most fun. And we did that all day, to be honest with you. We just kept pitching up, setting your ambush. As soon as they got close, get those whistles, get the life out of them, and yeah, blow them up as well at the same time. So yeah, definitely allowed. Nice, that's cool. Uh, Edward says, which brand of AK would you recommend? No budget. I don't know a lot about AK. So I'm going to defer to you. Yeah, I'm in the dark on that. No, I'm the same. I'm in the dark. I'd say Sima. I hear a lot of good things about Sima for a basic AK. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, really. I'm I'm quite a fan of AK, so I'm hopefully pretty well qualified to answer this. So if if budget is no option and you like so you've got two choices if budget is no option, well three choices. Um you can have gas, so you've got GHK, absolutely adore GHK. Um they're very well made, they are fairly reliable. Um they're probably as close as you're gonna get to holding a real AK without actually holding a real AK, um, because obviously it, it functions more or less like the real thing. Um, they're very easy to uh, sort of maintain. The only kind of problems I have, and this kind of makes it feel even more like a real AK, is that, you know, despite me saying they're reliable, you do get the occasional BB that doesn't end up in the uh, chamber and you end up getting a jam. So then your mid-firefight, shit, I got, you know, you clean your mag, take it out, and you've got to try and clear it. So, you know, it's properly realistic. Yeah. Um, although the downside to that is, but then again, if we say money's no option, it's not really downside. Um, but for, you know, for most people, the mags are quite prohibitively expensive. You know, you buy them mm. in the UK, the mags are going to cost you 65 to 70 quid per mag. Um, and they're sort of, I think, 45 rounds each. So they're not a pleasure to load. Um, you can get them from WGC, um, which will be slightly cheaper. You'll pay sort of between 45 to 50, I think, by the time you factor your import. Um, so that's your gas option. The other one you've got is obviously electric. Um, now, if you've got if you go for AEG, you've got two choices. You've got L top end, you've got LCT, or you've got ENL. Um, I would probably say LCT is slightly better than ENL. The for the internals, I prefer ENL externals if you get the platinum range because they're made of proper steel and they really are quite heavy. Um, they're, they're great looking guns, but I just find the internal quality on them, the hot unit in particular, is not the best. I had a few issues within the past, the ones I brought in and sold, um, that they come with import springs as standard, because you have to then sometimes change that before look out for that, because um, they really drop the power through the floor on them. But LCT out of the box, um, you might sometimes find they're hot, but normally they're around about sort of 340, 350 FPS, and they just work flawlessly, and the externals are amazing. And if you don't want to spend mega money, you've always got um, you've always got Sima, you know, and you've always or Sima, how you pronounce it, um, and you you know they're just workhorses, but you don't get you don't quite get the quality on the externals mm. a lot cheaper, um, and some parts are more prone to breaking because it is you know cheap cheap metal really. Um, whereas if you go ENL or LCT, you're going to get steel, and it's going to be a lot more durable. It's going to feel more realistic. It's going to look more realistic. Um, so they're kind of your options, um, to be honest. I don't think I've missed off there. Um, so yeah, I'd either say electric, LCT, gas, GHK. Fair play. Nice. Cool. What sort of price are you looking at for an LCT AG then in an AK? Uh, platform, um, you're looking mid, mid 300, to be honest. Oh, okay. Um, so you look, it's not mega money, it depends which one you go for. Um, yep. But you're looking early to, to mid 300. Second hand, you're probably looking you know, a shade under 300. They hold the value pretty well. 
Um, so you're probably looking mid 200s for a you know, okay second-hand LCT. Um, E&L, you can sometimes get quite cheap. I know that one of the wholesalers for quite a while was stuck with a lot of their stock. Um, so those were on offer for a long time from a from a particular wholesaler. So those were quite cheap for a while, but they seem to have disappeared now. So E&L, you don't normally tend to find them quite as cheap as they once were, but they're just as good in most cases as LCT, which is not quite as good, but they're close mm. enough. But you're looking really 300. Um, so you're looking sort of an extra 130, 140 quid for something nicer than the Cyma. Right. Lance did his classic. Oh, so uh, how much is that? Mm. <laughs> cogs are turning. No, they're not. They're yeah. not turning. The cogs aren't turning. Lance, stop it. <laughs> uh, Rager says apparently TM are looking to bring out a uh, gas blowback uh, AK 40. Uh, I assume AK 47, but um, that, that should be interesting. Hmm. Um, yeah, uh, and like Ed says, "Probably would though, which is anything that puts me off it. If you're spending that kind of money on an AK, it needs to have real wood. I mean, I know you can buy it, but you know it should come with it. Yeah, if you're spending mega bucks, you shouldn't have to, should you? It should come with it. Yeah, and I think <laughs> yeah. also you'd be getting alley rather than um, rather than steel. Um, you know, so if that matters to you, I'd probably say get the get the GHK and just pay a bit more. I don't even know what AK it is. I'm getting. I've said essentially right. My gun tech. I've got. A, I did have. I had a carrier bag full of MP5 ness, and um, and he had a load of AK spare parts and bits and bobs and whatever it was in a, in a bag or a box somewhere. And I said, right. I said, if I give you this carrier bag full of MP5, I'm sure you can get two or three out of it. I said, you make me an AK. He was like, yeah, that's a fair deal. I was like, wicked, because I'm never going to be able to do anything with this carrier bag of MP5. I'm never going to be able to use that. So I'd rather give it to you to do your crazy stuff with it, and I'll have an AK. And he's like, yeah, right, deal. So I don't know what I'm getting. It could be it could be an amalgamation of everything. I don't know. I was going to say your your AK is going to be a little bit of uh, uh, it's, it's going to be a bit Frankenstein's up. monster, I think, when it turns up. <laughs> Master, just a random bit of M14 thrown in. <laughs> yeah. Andy says, very uh, Lance, "Yeah, Andy said Lance should only be allowed to buy a gold AK, but mm. I, I, I would just like to caveat that if Lance bought a gold AK, he'd immediately spray it with spray yeah. paint, so um, <laughs> probably would lose its shine quite quickly." <laughs> <laughs> he bought a new box. Um, so we were at a private game uh, last weekend, weekend before last. Last weekend. Last weekend. My, yeah, my feet and, um, just getting over it He now. bought a new little storage box and it was like just the, the ones you get from the, I think you got it from B&Q, didn't you? And literally I commented at the time because it was just lightly dusted with a little bit of spray paint. <laughs> it's too black and shiny. I was like, nah, not having that. I had about a quarter of a can of desert tan left. I was like, psh, I'll dirty you up, you <laughs> bastard. Get dirty. <laughs> Oh, oh, there was also another question from Nick. Are the non-gamed uh, mid-cap events? Um, as much as is possible. There are a couple of guns <laughs> in that era airsoft that, are, that, that are airsoft replicas of. Um, so for the people that use a BAR, because um, they are allowed at NARM, if you're doing seals, for example, I mean, I've seen people use them on Green Machine, to be fair, and they only come with um, high cap. So if you've got a gun that will take mid-caps, we want you to bring mid-caps um, mm -hmm. because it needs to be. And it also you know, it has to be, we want it ideally, if possible, um, real cap limits as well. So even if you've got 120 round you know, mid-cap, mid if you've got 10 of them, then put 30 in each mag. You know, the limit's 30, 300 rounds for a rifleman. And if you've yeah. got more mags to do that, then great. Put, you know, put sort of 10 pumps of a speed loader into each one because what we want is your mid-firefight, and you've actually got to worry about changing mags and your ammo count because that builds into the you know into the experience of the game. So mm. 
we we like we like mid caps. We like them even better if you can fill them for the real cap limits. So. Yeah, that's nice. It works better, obviously, if both sides are on the same page as well. Because I mean, I've had it personally where I've I've done the the the, the BB count using the, obviously a little small speed loader, and you've gone up against a guy you you could be engaged in a firefight, and it's just like Christ, I've gone through three mags now. He hasn't changed yet. <laughs> I'm just thinking, yeah. what's, what's going on here? You know I mean, so yeah, there has to be that that battle. I get it. I mean, I, I I ideally thirty rounds would be awesome to, but as long as everyone was on it on the same page. You know I mean, apart yeah. from obviously your LMG gunners, the yeah, it's, it's quite it's hard to, to manage it sometimes. It is a tough one because it, you know, we airsoft's a broad church at the end of the day. You know, we also have to strike a balance between we're already quite a niche hobby for Vietnam, um, mm. and we also got to strike a balance between attracting new players in. So we we heavily encourage it. Um, does anyone ever get told off for not doing it or you know being pulled up to one side and saying you had you know fifty rounds? would you know, I'd love everyone to do it, but equally, I want new people to get into it. I remember. People that I know when they first started airsoft, when I first started it, you know, was I probably the best at you know understanding and following every single rule? Probably not. Um, so there's a bit, there's a bit of give and take. You know, players that I know for a long time and they've experienced and they've been several events. You know, if I catch them doing it, I will apply it. You know, quite, quite word. And if people are taking yeah, yeah, pits, yeah. I'll definitely talk to them. Um, and most people are quite good, but do, does it always come good? And everyone's everyone's always got the mid cap on real cap limits. No, absolutely not. It doesn't always happen that way. But it's it's give and take. Most players go for for that kind of experience and buy into it. But yeah, if everyone could do it, it'd be even better. To be honest, mm. I'll put a few more rounds in mine purely because it takes me about five rounds to actually get on target. So <laughs> right, right, it's not a bit more, a bit more left. Yeah, I'm on him now. I'm on him now. That's it. <laughs> right, Thirty starts from now. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen people at the other end of that have only got a handful of mags. You know, they might have sort of five mags on them that have mm. got all their ammo in, and they'll still have BBs in, but they'll simulate a reload, and you'll see the BBs fall at the bottom. So, you know, there's ways and means. As long as they're making effort, it's uh, that's the main. Yeah, thing, that's really, it, mate, definitely. Yeah, give and take. It's you know, it's airsoft. It's make believe. Like I said earlier, you know, you can, it's never going to be exactly the same as a you know real life you know battle. It's just you know, it's going to be a certain amount that you have to you know, have artistic sort of license with really. Mm. Yeah, for sure, mate, for sure. Edward says, uh, hope this isn't a loaded question. Uh, Ed- Edward's one of our resident ghillie snipers. Um, but are there any special rules for sniper ghillies? Um, not really. Um, well, I should say that you'd need to construct a, a ghillie of something that kind of looked and felt period. So if you're going to come like in a, you know, KMCS, for example, a brand new leaf suit that wouldn't have clearly been around in sort of late 1960s, 1970s, then that's probably not going to be okay. It's not really what we're going for. But if you wanted to get yourself a sort of a sniper cloak and get loads of bits of Hessian and local sort of, you know, uh, undergrowth and fauna and make yourself something fairly natural looking um, with lots of Hessian, Hessian, it was kind of incorporated amongst a probably a Viet Cong loadout. So not too aware of um american snipers being sort of gilded up at the time but if you wanted to be sort of an indigenous sort of local Viet Cong sniper they absolutely did do that yeah definitely um, certainly did some very cool stuff you can do with that and even some soviet gear you can you can use that'd be suitable for that as well um so yeah they are allowed but probably leaning more heavily on them going on Viet Cong um because it's kind of more the aesthetic that would go with that really nice that's a good shout mate absolutely that's fair enough uh rage says any chance you would do a 13 hours sim your site looks like it would be great for it 
absolutely. Um, it's what we're working towards. We're working towards running longer and longer games. The last game we did was Blood and Soil. Uh, we were hoping to run that 10 and a half hours. It turned out everyone was absolutely ball bad by about sort of nine and a half hours. Um, so we called that one slightly short. Um, but the plan is eventually to take that to a much longer event that will last 12 hours plus. So yeah, absolutely, there will be 12, 13 and 24 hour events in due course. Um, but the problem we've had is Vietnam doesn't really lend itself, for the reasons I mentioned earlier, to being much longer than sort of eight, nine hours at a push. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and up recently we've mostly catered to Vietnam and sort of historic type events um, with Blood and Soil, which is the Russian, Russian, Russian modern sort of milsim game oh. um, set in Ukraine. That is that's kind of more the right game for to, you know for it to be a twelve hour plus game. Um, the problem we have is that I don't want to go into brand new sort of game series um, that we're trying to establish and go straight into the deep end and say, here you go, here's 12 or 24 hours. Never done this before, but, you know, let's see if it works. We want to establish the game, establish the narrative, get the community of players and get the basic rule set down for that to then evolve it to being a, you know, a 12 hour plus game. But yeah, it is coming to answer your question. Uh, Rage, <laughs> sorry. Rage meant the film uh, take the idea from the movie. The uh, 13 hours uh, secret okay. soldiers of Benghazi, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's what he's um, getting at. No, no real plans for anything like that yet. That's not said, wouldn't happen. Uh, the problem I have is I have, as I mentioned earlier, 15 guys, all of which you want to do crazy, cool, and interesting and different ideas. I mean, we've got a, a, a list of ideas that you know will probably take us three years to get through those alone. <laughs> um, you know, and that's if we end up running sort of, you know, six, seven events a year that were more immersive, you know, between that, I've kind of got to run skirmish. I've got to balance spending time with, you know, friends and family um, yeah, sure. and that kind of stuff. So it's the hardest part, as of always, with this is finding time. I think we do want to do something or want to do more sort of modern-y sort of NATO and sort of alley type stuff. Um, but at the moment, it's it's one you know it's building up to that. To be honest with you, so yeah, it, we might do so in the future, but at the moment, that's not quite within our plans. We've got things like Soviet nineteen eighties, so um, Soviets versus Mujahideen, um, based in Afghanistan. That's an idea we're working on. We've got two thousand Sierra Leone, so sort of loosely inspired by Blood Diamonds. So you've got um, rebels versus PMCs in a, a useless government army um, that half the time will be slacking. Um, we've got post-apocalyptic games that we've been talking about, you know, for a while, and that, you know, even booked a date for that once at, at Eversley, um, but it required that much more planning than we had the time. And even with a year, there was a lot of props, a lot of things to be done. So we shelved that. because the, the last thing we want to do is, is plan an event, hire an amazing site, and not be in a position to deliver what we hoped. Um, yeah. So that's still being worked on. But there's lots of ideas, um, and it's even sort of more 2000 sort of, you know, um, Gulf War type stuff. Um, that we're looking at as well. And I even want to do some some Cold War, you know, and some stuff like um, Falklands. So we've got lots of stuff going on. We tend to be more historic and, you know, part, past or, you know, past recent conflicts. I mean, since sort of 70s, 80s onwards, nothing sort of World yeah, War yeah. I, or World War Two, but more recent-ish historic conflicts. Um, but yeah, there, there will be more coming, but at the moment that's kind of where our mind's at. Fair play. Yeah, cool. So if you had an unlimited amount of money... Like literally, the the pot is endless. Oh, yes, there's, no, there's no sort of like planning issues or anything like that. What what would you love to introduce uh, to a site that that you haven't haven't been able to achieve? How long you got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you have to pick one thing. One thing. 
What would be like the, the crux? Yeah, what, what's that the, main, the main thing? You can have two uh, things. Uh, I would probably say a, a full-on tunnel network because um, you could do so much with just an amazingly expansive tunnel network. I mean, for me, for Vietnam, that would be just just dream come true if you've got Viet Cong just like sneaking around through tunnels and doing cool bits and you have to go and have little the different little access hatches all across the map that'd be quality yeah, yeah. you can do some really cool stuff with that i think that would be something for the nervous site is ever really done so i think that would be quite cool um i think the other thing and it's you know there's other sites that do this already but it, it still would be very exciting for me it would just be vehicles and you know, more vehicles you know bmps that kind of stuff um you know i'd want sort of nice soviet era sort of 80s armor would be, be perfect really um because it would work for so many different things you know from sort of cold war you know like i said that soviet game in afghan you know even to sort of you know current day militia and third world sort of country you know armed forces that you could do so much with it you know that for me vehicles would probably be the main thing and that's attainable as well that's something we're looking to do in the next few years but um but yeah vehicles probably the first choice really nice yeah. Andy, uh, Andy Bob just says you could do a full-on heli drop. <laughs> do you know what I was thinking of as well? I was thinking, what would I do? And I thought I'd have a mass. If I had a massive map, I'd it'd be a, a full working helipad for like in and out, in and out. That'd be quality to be able to do that. Well, we had some, <laughs> some crazy ideas about that because obviously, as you boys know, Brands Hatch is like literally across the road from the site, um, mm. and there's obviously you know helis that come out and go come and go from there all the time, being a being a racetrack. I wondered if there was, uh, you know, if you could ever sort of do a deal with a with a helicopter company that needs to get more hours on their craft, if we could get them to land at Fork, because you're only talking, you know, a minute's flight. I'd love to have it that we were going to do like a, a Narcos game, it's nothing we're working on, where you'd actually have to, you know, you'd have two or three events and it would like culminate and take like a kingpin down. You'd have to extract them to a helicopter and literally get them out on a heli extraction or get your, you know, get your boys out on the heli. I think that'd be awesome. I've got uh, goosebumps just thinking about that. That'd be wicked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'd just get a minibus across the road at Brands Hatch, you know, wouldn't then put the price through the roof because you're only doing a short flight with a company that needs to get more hours on there. Imagine, some, imagine if there was the heli putting down at Brands Hatch and then some kingpin gets off with like a PMC all tooled up. <laughs> the looks that, you'd be getting up. straight into a blacked out minibus. They'd be like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> We, we were talking about it's quite a bit of length between myself and the guys at how it's to work. You know, would you have to ditch all the guns before you got on the helicopter? I don't know how it'd work, but it was an idea we had. We talked with quite a bit, and it still could happen one day. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we are quite fortunate being close to Brands Hatch, that well, could be a possibility. Shane, um, if that, that happens, just remember it was just discussed here, and that um, yes, Lance I and I were both it. excellent PMC at a, a recent event, and uh, you yeah. know, <laughs> quite happy to volunteer our time. We can't take away from Andy as well. He did suggest it in the comments, so yeah. Oh, and Andy, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're definitely the first. No, we def definitely, uh, if we do that, I'll definitely get you on PMC for that. Because uh, mind you, I think there'd be a huge list of people waiting for that. To be fair, we don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll we'll extract everyone. Yeah. We just do that again. We're quite happy with Andy. Ten times now. He's so careless. He's getting caught. What amateur? We we'll come yeah. back a bit. Oh, sorry, I left my hat at Brands. Can we go pop back and grab that for quickly? <laughs> <laughs> Just waiting on a hot dog. I wasn't quite ready when we left. <laughs> uh, okay, you cool. Can, uh, can you really? Apparently, yeah. Andy was Bloody saying up. you can hire a Chinook helicopter, and there's two or three companies. Just check out Google. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> We <laughs> let's do that absolutely. 
I tried to think the cost of hiring a Chinook helicopter. I know. Like, just a few alone is going to be mental, isn't it? You know? Yeah. It's, uh, I, I think we'll have to sell quite a few patches, Mike, football. to get a Chinook for the show. <laughs> well, actually, that's a nice little segue. Um, so patches have been sent out this week. Um, I, I sorted out the postage last week and then finally worked out how to do it at the post office. Um, so patches are on their way. Um, there's one or two people that I've emailed because I just need a few extra bits and pieces of information. Um, if anybody else would like to order some patches, I've just had 70 more of the foxes delivered. Um, so you know, we've got loads of patches. So if you'd like some, then feel free to uh, drop us a message and we can uh, sort that out for you. That'd be pretty cool. Perfect. Lovely. Uh, you've got yours as well. Have you got yours to hand, Lance? Um, I have. I've got my greys on my fleece that I took off because I was getting hot. But there's the uh, one of them on each arm at the minute. There's the greys. There they are. There we go. So yeah, they're cool. Wicked. Love them. Yeah. <laughs> I've got that one. I've got my orange and my greens up there on the shelf. And then we've got me bad. Oh, there you go. There you go. There. Wallet. There you go. I'm a bad knife. Um, so there. Yeah, watch yourselves. I'm a bad one. So yeah. <laughs> Andy says, cool. um, apparently, for the Chinook, it's about £200 an hour he looked for his wedding. That ain't bad, really. I thought it would be That's a lot more That's not bad for a Chinook helicopter. Is that an hour on station, or is that an hour getting to wherever he's got to come from, included that, in that? That's just right? That's got, that's got to be the fuel. £200 an hour. <laughs> So yeah, but I'd want it from when he touched down. Then I got on it. That's when my time starts. Yeah, I have to, to clean fair, it up, clarified. If, if even if it is fuel, just just have it like stay there for ages. Just don't I'll, I'll, I'll fly anywhere. I'm not being funny, but if place, I'd happily chip in for that for an event. That's not a lot. That that actually, if it is in that region, that's actually viable to do something with. To be fair, because obviously the amount of people you can get in a, in a chinook is uh, it 30, sort of 30, 50 guys in the back of a chinook, isn't it? Yeah. If you've got it's 10 like people in there, I'm sure they'd all pay 20 quid each just for that alone at the end of the day, wouldn't they? Well, for, for, for that money, I'd want one for myself. <laughs> <laughs> Andy says apparently it's total, including travel time. But I mean, this might have to be something we look into quite seriously. Yeah, Andy, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, I'm really... Yeah, man. <laughs> no, it's £200 an hour. I'd buy that to go into my groceries for us. That'd be great for yeah. Just the crack, yeah, absolutely. Can you imagine rocking up to an event, just like, yeah, guys, we're here. Yeah. Uh, we just landed in the Chinook. <laughs> yeah, you got a big enough car park for this. Yeah, people the No, you imagine the downdraft of bringing that in though. Everyone's tents and bashes just tumbleweeding across the site. <laughs> we're not elitist, Sorry, but we did turn up in a in a Chinook helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. Ed, Ed says uh, Lance needs one for himself and all of his gear. Yeah, absolutely. You <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Next time I'm traveling light, mate. Although I did back to <laughs> I, that private event, I did have to bring kit for two other people, but one was a no show. There we go. <laughs> so, um, Shane, uh, so a lot of our not regulars, unfortunately, but um, a lot of our listener base uh, are relatively new to. Uh, Milsim. So, what common mistakes uh, do you kind of see players making? Um, sort of like the more sort of, uh, I guess the Vietnam style events, because I, I guess there's a lot of people that that do those that are relatively kind of new to that. Yeah, I think any any game that lasts longer, you know, if someone's getting into that kind of gameplay, and you know, whether or not you're doing, um, you know, a Milsim, a Battle Sim, uh, an extended film sim, basically anything that doesn't involve you going back for a lunch break, essentially, 
the things that often get overlooked is just the basic stuff that you need for you know self sustain yourself like water you know and food people don't just think because they're kind of used to going back and they don't really think about having everything on them um you know and that that's probably the biggest mistake it's, it's frustrating when you're organizing events because you kind of got an itinerary of, a, of stuff that's going to happen in a, you know in an order of which sort of set pieces are going to happen when you want people doing different taskings and objectives um you know when you start losing people to go back to the car park or back to the safe zone because they've not had enough water with them or they've not got food on them or they haven't fought to bring a spare battery whatever it is they need to go back out of game for um that that has an impact you know you start having sort of you know three four five six people doing that it does hamper the game you know potentially um so i think you know anyone that's new to that would just be have a real think about what you need to take with you ahead of time and actually you don't need as much as you think it is just really basic stuff you know take if it, even for 24 hours you're gonna need like one you know minimum one spare change of clothes you're gonna need you know the biggest thing is water you know it's making sure if you're out for 24 hours you're doing continuous Absolutely. um you're gonna need to factor in at minimum minimum two two liters because it's not just you know two liters what you need as a minimum if you're sat at home you know watching youtube all day you're supposed to take two liters water board you go outdoors and start adding you know any exertion into that you're looking at you know three liters plus then you need water to boil your food you're going to need water to you know clean your clean your cooking equipment if you're using that um you know and things like hot beverages you know you're going to go for more than you think so the Absolutely biggest right. thing is especially the time of the year like your Vietnam events, you aim to have them more in the summertime, and that's so you know the, the, the yeah. climate temperature, the kit you're carrying, it's going to make you more exhausted. Yeah. And that yeah, water's massive. And I say this as someone who's made the mistake himself of not having enough water and ended up stupidly dehydrated, and it is just not a pleasant experience. You know, you don't want mm. to be that guy who sat there with the world's worst headache and dry mouth and just not be able to focus because you just haven't drank, done something as basic as drinking see, yeah. water. I've been dehydrated badly once, and it was just. The worst experience um, I've ever had airsofting was horrible. I got really badly dehydrated once. I wouldn't ever recommend it. So water is probably the biggest thing. Um, if you if you prioritise nothing else, plenty of water. You can last for ages without food. Like really, you're not going to starve, um, but you are going to mess yourself up quite badly if you don't drink. So yeah, make sure you got Definitely this water. Right. The one bit of advice I impart. No, it's a good shout, mate. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. Um, the first time we did a milsim. Um, my brother was absolutely flagging on his feet, hadn't eaten anything all day. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, it's fine. Just don't worry. Keep going. Keep going. It's like, no, just have, have some chili. You'll be fine. That's it. Because you start yeah. recognising the danger. You know, you start getting a bit narky. You get that little bit of a headache at the back front of your head. And then you start getting a little bit narky. And you think, no, that's when you can spot the signs. You know what I mean? Before it gets too bad. Yeah. Just get a load of water down you. There's yeah, other people as well. It's, it's, it's the people that are like, you know, they, they won't admit to themselves that they just need a break or need a bit of food and stuff like that. Then you're just running about. You kind of got take does take someone sometimes just to go, yeah, yeah, have a little sit down, have a little bit of food and stuff. Mm. Just to, yeah. Was it someone said to me, if someone does go down with dehydration, it's the threes, it's three sips every three minutes for three hours or something like that to bring mm. them back up in a nice gradual. That's the, that's the worst thing about dehydration. It takes so long to get back to a, a normal mm. level again. Like, you know, if you're tired and you know, if you're tired and hungry, a couple of bits of chocolate bar, you'll literally feel the difference instantaneously. That bit of sugar, you know, when you've been yeah. out for, you know, four or five hours continuously being active, you know, sometimes just, you know, a couple of handfuls of M&Ms or Skittles, whatever it is, it's got sugar in it, it'll bring you straight up. If you get dehydrated, yeah. you're dealing with that shit for, you know, three, four hours and it's just 
unpleasant. Yeah, um, not you working. can't just drink sort of a litre in you know space of two minutes and expect to be all right. It's going to take a long time before you start feeling yourself again. Mm. So exactly. Yeah, drink piss for pizza, uh, it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> simple, simple as that, isn't it? Really, you can't say anything easier than that, can you? <laughs> Uh, right, so guys, if anyone else wants to get some questions in the chat, um, we can obviously uh, throw those over to Shane. Uh, I did have some other ones prepared, Shane. Um, so what for you determines a good event? Uh, good question. I, there's a lot of factors. Um, I think the main thing is probably different for me uh, from a point of view of an organiser as it probably is from somebody who attends, but I think more or less we're looking for the same thing, but there's different, you know, different takes on that. You know, and no event is perfect. You're always going to have an airsoft, no matter how good the event is. There'll always be one person that might think that somebody didn't take a hit or something didn't quite go perfect, no matter how good the event. So I think, it, you know, you're never going to please everybody. And so you're always going to be small, you know, small issues that, you know, that, nothing by themselves but the main thing is that everybody comes away still having had a great time you know you need to put on some it's about the experience and everything else needs to be so good that you'll overlook the you know the, the stuff that happens at any air sort of event ever like that one mm. person perhaps didn't take their hits or you weren't you whatever you know this so i think for me it's a case of everyone coming away had a really good experience because they put themselves into the game and they went about the experience so if people all go for the experience rather than trying to win and, you know, they're going for that immersive Vietnam game where they feel like they're in, you know, Apocalypse Now or whatever it is they, they want to feel like they're, they're in. So it's, it, for me, what determines that is the attitude of the players. Everyone comes along to play how they want to be played against and have a good time and they're signing up for a particular event and they read the brief. Um, you know, That's crucial, reading that the bloody brief. Thing. That is such Absolutely. a big part of it. There's a lot of people... I've, you know, I've been guilty of it. I've not done it before sometimes, but... It helps, it's, it, and it makes the game so much better for you because you actually understand where it's going from the off. Do you know what I mean? You're not sort of standing there going, did you get any of that? Because <laughs> well, I don't know what they have to do. You know, I've done it, I'm guilty of it, totally guilty of it, but, you know, yeah. you make that mistake once, you don't sort of sort of don't do it again then. So, you know. And the narrative as well. You know, if you go into a game like Octo or, you know, any game that's got a big narrative element to it, you know, is, is getting into that storyline. You know, mm. the event organisers have worked hard to to put that together and to create a, you know, a universe, you know, the game takes place within and it has a relevance to why you're doing your objectives. Um, so for me, yeah, it's got to be a game where everyone goes and gives the right attitude. They're all brought into the narrative and the brief and all they're turning up for. Um, so yeah, exactly. for me, what makes yeah. a great event is the players, you know, the right, the right people come together to, to all have that shape, that same collective experience. They've all signed up for that and that's what they want. That's what they're here to do. Um, mm. So what makes a great event? Players, you know, players turn up the right mentality, know what they're doing, being switched on and just going and doing it, you know? Fair play, mate. Good shout. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I like, I like, um, I don't think I've ever been to an event, even the private game that we, we were at last weekend. I don't think I've ever been to an event where someone hasn't gone, oh, oh, they're not taking their hits. <laughs> It's like, oh, for yeah, goodness sake. Age, no. like, I'm pretty certain you could play, like Lance and I could just go to a game on our own and for some reason, we'd one of us at some point would go, oh, he's not taking his hit. Like, it just yeah. seems to be an airsoft thing. But, yeah, it, it, it could be just me against you and we'd get back to, like, we'd, yeah. we'd have a, like, a debrief at the end and I'd sit there and look at you and just go, didn't take your hits, did you? <laughs> <laughs> 
Neither did you. <laughs> I think it is. It's, it's just an autopilot for Airsoft as soon as the game kicks off. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're fine in the first few rounds. It takes hits. Shut yeah. up. It's things, it's things to moan about to... is the weather. They don't take their hits. And what's going on? <laughs> yeah. What are we doing? What are we doing again? Did yeah. you hear that? <laughs> That's it. You just get the night, especially on the skirmish days. That's why I mean, I tend not to do many skirmish days at all, but um, you'd be sort of stuck at the back of the crowd. Sort of trying to listen in like that, talking bollocks with your mates at the same time, and then it'd be like, well, everyone happy with a brief? Right, we'll get started. He'd be like, oh, what? Hey, hang on a minute, what's going on? <laughs> the, the best Sorry. thing I've ever heard from a skirmish show was it was uh, we just started the game, and bear in mind the games that we run now for sort of open day and skirmish, I've made the rule that everyone has everyone has an armband because you know it's not fair when one team's banded and one team's unbanded. You have an absolute advantage if you've not got to wear a silly bright colour. Um, so I was like, fine, everyone wear an armband. And um, players turn to another place. What what team are on again? I'm like, well, you've got to... it's there. It's yeah. there on your arm. <laughs> yeah. How, how is it in doubt? <laughs> oh yeah, S- silly things. Like, I mean, I've done it before. When I walk around the house on my phone, talking to someone, looking for my phone. I mean, the amount of times I've done that before, it's just like, oh, dickhead. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to unlock my front door with my with my car key. I've done that before. A couple of times, been tired from work. Walked up to the front of the house and gone. No, it's not opening. <laughs> Another dickhead moment. Uh, we've had a question from Ed. Uh, so Ed says, "Sorry, I'm trying to find your Facebook page, Shane, uh, but I'm slightly confused. Can you break down the difference between Gunman Ultimate War Games and Octo Eight? Sure, um, I can. I can even throw everyone in there to confuse you a bit further. So." Ultimate War Games is its own entity, skirmish site. I have a share in Ultimate War Games, along with two others, um, and I essentially oversee... Ultimate War Games is going to mostly be skirmish and a, and a few sort of longer um, film sim, battle sim type walk-on days, nothing more than that. Gunman is a completely separate airsoft business, uh, ran by a friend of mine called Joshua James Smith, who I believe has been on this, um, on this stream before. Um, he's a great guy, runs amazing events. He's probably one of the biggest inspirations for me in Airsoft um, <clears> because he kind of got me out of doing just skirmishing. Yeah, so Gunman, Gunman runs some amazing games, has some great sites. They've got four different sites now, I think. Uh, and Octo 8 is one of the games that is put on by Gunman, uh, along with another chap called Baz. Um, and, they've, and Octo is, and correct me wrong, I've actually never played Octo. You boys can probably tell better than I can on this and what it's about. But essentially, it's a Milsim series of games. It's got its own unique game universe that has a sort of continued storyline. Um, and it travels around different sites and has an ever-evolving storyline that players can keep up with. Be that in game and in between games, it, it carries on quite continually. Mm-hmm. Another thing to confuse you more is also Sierra Bravo Airsoft, which is my own company, and that's the events that I do that are Vietnam, that are going to be the sort of the Afghan Soviet game, uh, and obviously Blood and Soil. So they're the events that I do. And the reason I do them in my own company is that simply because the amount of time and planning that it, it, it takes to put one of those events on. I'm doing it, you know, purely under my own steam rather than doing it after war games because it just takes so much out of me to get it each one delivered how I want it. Um, so, yeah, I want to be selfish, take the credit for it rather than just put it in the ultimate. Oh, fair enough. No, fair play, mate. You're going to put the effort in, get the effort out. That's good. That's it, exactly. That's my baby, this is my baby. Yeah. <laughs> no, fair play, mate. Cool. Well, I think that's probably probably it for today. So thanks ever so much, Jane, for joining us. 
Uh, it's a real no pleasure worries. to have you on. Yeah, um, it's on. In terms of next week, I think we're doing torches and illumination. So all these yeah. things to brighten up your life. Oh, wonderful. What a, what a lovely thing nice. to say. Um, and, and some <laughs> awesome news. Uh, we're going to be rejoined by uh, Mr. Paul Blue Ribboned. So, uh, yeah, big chief we'll have him back from next house. week, which will be awesome because I, I, we have missed him. Um, yeah. Have you got anything else? <laughs> today? I've, I've run out of steam a little bit then. Sorry, the end. <laughs> it's all, uh, the, the batteries. You need to change. You need yeah, to get your Titan batteries in you, mate. Ooh, I've got a Titan battery now. Bought a Titan battery uh, last week, and I ran it for the entire event, um, and it was amazing. Didn't Don't have any kidding, problems mate. at any point. So, because mm. I am genuinely worried about lipos exploding. But uh, yeah, I just had foot cool. problems last weekend. Oh, uh, yes, do you want to just cover that a little bit? Because it was quite yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I do. Because um, and I don't know why I didn't. I had all my foot kit on me, and I. So basically, within about ten minutes of the game starting last weekend, I got my feet got my boots got fully submerged on a, on a water crossing that we were on patrol. So straight over the top of the boat, down socks were drenched, boots, internal boots were drenched. Everything was saturated, and and I know I've said it so many times. Now, get back, getting your feet dry as quick as you can, and I didn't do it. I didn't do it for the whole entire day. I didn't do it until the next day. I actually didn't take my boots off until I got in. What time did I get home? Anyhow, it was a long time. It was over a day, and my and I'm the pain in my feet, not from rubbing or blisters or anything like that, because my feet stay warm. Do you know what I mean? They stay warm. It weren't like they got cold or anything. I got a cold personally from it, from having saturated feet and like knees down, sort of soaking wet all day. Um, but just sort of braided myself really and thought, you, you stupid sod. Why didn't you do boots off, socks off, powder dry, new socks on, seal skins on, boots back on, like you normally would do? Just whether it's because I was sort of running the game and just sort of it got away with me, I didn't really think to do it. But yeah, guys, the pain my feet were in when I got indoors was unbelievable. It felt like I had about a million needles just pushing into my feet every time I put pressure on them. So I did a bit of looking up online. Um, it turns out soaking your feet in hot water for sort of as long as you can to soothe them, relax them, leaving your socks off and just letting them air dry on a towel. Oh, luckily enough, it was okay for, for sort of working out. But yeah, I've never known pain like it. So yeah, I, I won't let that happen again. So a lesson for me there to learn the hard way. But I'm sort of, in a way, I'm sort of glad I did it to sort of experience what it actually is like to have saturated feet for like nine, sort of 20 odd hours or whatever it was. So yeah, don't do that. Please make sure you dry your feet if you do get them soaking wet in a vent because it's awful and you get stinky cold from it as well. So I had to do a uh, COVID test because I weren't sure. Obviously, going back to work and that. So, yeah, it's all negative, lovely, great stuff. So, I've just got horrible cold. But that's all gone pretty much now. So, yeah, bit of a stupid thing to do. And then it sort of cost me three or four days of normal living, if you like, dealing with colds and sore feet and stuff. So, yeah, all that could have been avoided from changing socks and putting some powder on that on. So, yeah, that was my uh, that was my faux pas from the weekend. Yeah. Everything else was good. Weekend, though. Oh, it rained, yeah. Don't, yeah, it did come down. Don't get me wrong. You know, thank God it weren't for the entire day. But um, yeah, we'll do. We'll get another one up there at some point because it's a wicked site. It's a great site to to play at. So yeah, but unfortunately, my feet suffered badly. My tootsies. <laughs> That's right. Rage has got some nice words for support here. Uh, well, you're, you're a bell end last. Yeah, absolutely. No, mate, you're absolutely <laughs> right. I am. That's all. Not even Swish could to, could comfort me that day, mate. And I know you'd be you'll be annoyed at that. <laughs> Not even a swish comforted me that day. So, um, yeah, a- absolute bellend. Number one. Numero uno bellend right here. So, yeah, yeah, I won't do that again. It was a good, good event, though. Did enjoy it. It was, good. was good. It was good, yeah. A lot of, yeah. covered a lot of, uh, nearly 15 miles, I think, we covered. 
Yeah, which didn't. Well, I think like you covered more than I did because you were picking up objectives afterwards, and I was I just, just standing like, attending to the fire. So, <laughs> um, Alasia um, and Barry Gunn say the Octo event at Ultimate War Games was an absolute scream. Can't wait until the next one. So, yeah, I think we could both concur with that as well. It was very yeah. well run. It was a great site to play at, and thanks, Shane, because it was it was it was good. It was just what yeah. I needed after a long lockdown. So. Good. It was definitely yeah, just to get a blow some steam off, and the fact that it was like one of the opto ones where you have the break in the evening, you can all sort of mm. kick back, socially distance, of course, and you know chew the fat and have a couple of beers. That was great. It was nice. It weren't like you was going back yeah. into a fully immersive one. I know, like some of the Trojan boys, they went straight to the trees for a Sterling op <laughs> straight after lockdown. I'd be like, I'll be on my fucking knees after about twenty minutes of that. So I'm sort of glad it was like a bit not slower pace, but you know, just a nice sort of easier back into it sort of event. That was cool. Yeah, I thought yeah. I always enjoyed. Really good. So cool. Uh, Nick says, What is this swish? Nick, we'll sort that out for you next Nick, week. Nick, ask Rage. Right? Rage will tell you all about it, mate. <laughs> Get in touch. <laughs> and uh, Andy good. says, uh, Smacky bottom for Lance. So, mm, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and on that note, we'll uh, we'll say goodbye. Uh, thanks everyone for joining us this week in the audience. Uh, thanks again to Shane uh, and obviously my excellent co host Lance. And Hello, Lance. Uh, we will see you all next week. Yes, good night all. See you later. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys.